So it was on a Saturday morning at 9 o'clock that I was sitting in a what used to be a dining room in a former restaurant that had now been renovated for a place where people would gather to worship Jesus. I found myself crying out to God at that moment because our family of five had bills to pay and no money, for I had not received a salary and I had had nothing to, to bring home. And so I'm crying out to God. In addition to that, I was being harassed, and, and it was causing incredible discouragement. I didn't know where to turn. I didn't know what to do. So I'm, I'm in this room, and I'm, and I'm just crying out to God, saying, God, I don't know what to do. You've got to help me. I've got to feed my family. I've got nothing. There was a knock on, a, on one of the windows of that former restaurant, and I looked up, and there stood Rusty. Rusty is, at that time, was a 40-something lady who was the ringleader of this incredibly motley crew that hung around with her. So I signaled over. I said, come over to the door. I went to the door, opened up the door, and I said, Rusty, what's going on? It's Saturday morning, 9 o'clock. Why are you here? And she said, we've come here to pray for you. Well, first of all, I had no idea how she knew I was there. And secondly, I didn't know she had any idea that I needed somebody to pray with. So I opened the door, and Rusty came in, and with her came about 10 former witches, warlocks, and Satan worshipers who had found this relationship with Jesus and had been transformed. And here they came. In different stages of understanding Jesus, some still dealing with with familiar spirits and spirit guides who would still try to haunt them, and they would have to push them back in the name of Jesus. And here they came, trying to figure out this whole thing about Jesus and prayer. And for an hour, we sat down together, and they prayed over me. And I can tell you that by the end of the next week, we had income come to us from totally unexpected sources. I felt my my depression, my discouragement lifting. And what I understood at that moment is that these people who who had experienced satanic power were now beginning to understand how God wanted to release a more powerful dynamic that would wipe that former power away. Same thing they experienced in the first century. Those followers of Jesus were harassed. They were finding their possessions were taken. They were finding that they were beaten, that they were, were thrown into prison. Some were killed. They were, they were isolated. They, they were abandoned by their families. They lost their jobs. The same kind of power and thing that, that, that you feel right now. You say, wait, 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 Pastor, we, we've never been beaten for our faith. We've never been thrown in prison because of our faith. But yeah, but I want you to listen to this. That, that strain on your finances you feel right now, that you say, well, it's just the economic pressure, it may be more. The, the nightmares that you've been having and you say, well, it just must be a change in my, my dream patterns. No, it could be more. The stress that you're feeling at your job that just seemed to intensify and, and the people that have seemed to just turn against you, you say it must just be the job climate. No, no, it could be more. The intensity you feel at home and raising your kids right now or that you may be feeling with your parents you say, well, it just must be that family thing. It just must be because Janice just turned 13, and you know how, what happens when they turn 13, and, 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 and it could be more. 
the discouragement that you have felt in these last weeks that just weighs on you. you go, it just, it just must be, it just, I don't, it, I used to blame it on snow, but we haven't had any, but it's got to be something. It could be more. But what we do when that stuff hits us, we go, oh, it's just part of living. It's just this whole thing, and it's just, it's the economy, and it's the country, and it's the politics, and it's then, and, and, and so we just embrace it and say, well, just try to live with this thing. And sometimes we even say, oh, God, what's, what's wrong? Why can't you take care of this? Why am I feeling this? What's wrong with you, God? And we blame him. And I like the analysis of Pastor Jack Hayford who says this, we would rather blame God than trust him, rather complain about him than call upon him. How many would rather indict the Almighty for neglect when hell comes against us than invite his almightiness to eject the hell worker? Jesus said to pray, Father, we invite your ruling might to overrule what's happening here. Do your will and cast out that which opposes your will. See, they watched Jesus, these followers of Jesus, and they said, you just got, there's this power thing with you, and teach us how to do that. And Jesus said, okay, let me teach you. And, he, and you've said it before. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And you walk all the way through that. But don't miss the part where he said, I want you to pray. I want your kingdom to come and your will to be done. I want that to happen. So here's the question. The question is, okay, God, if you know, Jesus, if you know what your will is, you know what needs to happen, you know what needs to happen in my life, you know what needs to happen in, in those people's lives over there that I've been concerned about and in the country and in the city and, and in the economy, why don't you just do that? Because you know, just do it. We've told you in the past, if you've been part of this church for a while, we used to have and had a dog for about 15 years his name was Cooper, and he was a Lhasa Apso, and we called him Demon Dog. When he was just a puppy, our daughter Christy taught him to sit back on his rump, and she would say, pray, and he would go like this. And it was all so cute. And now he wouldn't do that for free because she was holding something that he, he wanted. So he would do this, and then when he thought he'd get it, she'd say, okay, now speak. And so the dog would go, and we all thought it was so cute. I don't know what the dog was thinking, but we thought it was cute. And so then she would feed the dog, and everybody would be happy, and, and there we saw the little entertainment we wanted. Sometimes we think when we talk about prayer that God is saying to us, okay, now sit up and pray. Now speak. And God's in heaven saying to his friends, isn't that cute? Aren't they, aren't they lovely? Listen to them as they speak. See, the bottom line issue about this whole thing in prayer, and if I, if I had to just stop and pause and tell you that in the over 17 years that, that I've been with you, that probably this is one of the most important strategic sermons that I will ever preach to you because it really is the next step of power and effectiveness for us as a church community. What we need to understand about prayer is this, that God has authorized his children to take dominion on this earth. It's hard for us to understand, but we've got to go all the way back to the beginning. So check this out. When God is, is with Adam and Eve, our mom and dad, way back when. Here's what the Scripture says, Genesis 1, 28. 
God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Fill the earth and do what? Subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. He said, here's the garden. Here's my will. Here's what's happening. Here's my presence. And I want you to take this garden, and I want you to expand it out with your family all over this globe. That's what I want to see. Thank you. So Adam and Eve are given this authority, which, by the way, they now hand over to Satan when they obeyed that temptation that Satan brought to them because the rule is this, that we are servants to the one we obey. So when they were servants to God because they obeyed him, God said, here, I'm going to give you this authority. It's mine, but I'm going to give it to you because I want you to use it. So this earth is yours. You take care of it. When they subdued themselves to Satan, when they obeyed him, at that moment, Satan said, now I'm your master and I want that authority to do what I want with it, which is cause death and destruction among you. That's what we're dealing with. That's the evil we'll see. You're dealing with cancer? It caused back then. That's why. You're dealing with tough times today. You're dealing with relationship issues. You're in your third divorce. I'm going to tell you the root of all that was back then. And we're getting the effects now. That is why when Jesus, God in flesh, showed up on this earth, he said, okay, I'm here for this reason. I'm taking back what you lost. So here's what I want you to pray. Your kingdom what? Come. Your will be on earth as it is. Exactly. I want you to bring back into this place where Satan has succeeded my success, my will, on your behalf, pray this thing. So then when Jesus died, and then he rose, saying that I have more power than even Satan's greatest weapon, I'm now going to take this authority and I'm going to give it back to you because it was yours to begin with. And you now subdue the earth around you. Listen to his final words on this earth. Matthew 28, he said this, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, you go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all, that I com- all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you even to the end of the age. My authority now is in you. You use this authority. Jesus said, I have taken back that forfeited dominion, and I've given you the charge now to bring back this entire earth under the lordship of Jesus Christ and his will and his beauty and his justice. You get to bring it here. It's your deal. We take the action. He supplies the authority. And what we use to accomplish that is prayer. So let's pause. If the major thing we are to do as followers of Jesus is to bring the will of God on this earth, and the main, the main piece of all of that is prayer, how much have you prayed this week? Because here's the deal. If we don't, God won't. So I heard the other day, Researchers have discovered that one out of every three people in America is not so smart. (laughs) What do you mean? Right there. 
they actually use the word dumb. So let's do this. Look to the person on your right. Now look to your left. If they look smart, then guess what? (laughs) So there are those moments that I don't feel so smart. In fact, I feel a lot like this lady that was featured on a Mercedes-Benz commercial. Hello, I'd like to order french fries, a burger, and a milkshake. This is a library. To all you blondes, I'm so sorry, and we'll explain this to you later. (laughs) Forgive me. I'm sorry. Okay, the bottom line is this. It's, It's important to ask the right person. So there are those moments that I'm in the middle of discouragement, stress, tension. Life just seems to be pretty cruddy. And then I feel like God says to me, well, did you ask me? And I realize I didn't. I just thought that I had to take care of it. So Jesus tells this story right after he taught them to pray, our Father which art in heaven, Luke says, he tells this story. There's a man that's asleep in his house, and all his children are laid out on the floor where they would sleep, and everybody is settled in for the night. It is midnight, and then there's this pounding on the door. It's his friend who has come over because his friend has had a friend. The traveler stopped by at midnight, and hospitality says he has to feed him, and he has no bread. But he knows his neighbor has some bread, so he's pounding at the door at midnight. The friend with the bread says, go away. All of my children are asleep. See, to to get to the bread, he's going to have to go over all those children to get to to that bread, and he doesn't want to disturb his family. He says, go away. And the guy just keeps pounding, but I need the bread. He just keeps pounding. I need the bread. Go away. I need the bread. Go away. I need the bread. Finally, the man gets up, gets the bread, and gives it to his friend, and not because they're friends, but because of the man's boldness and his insistence. And then, following that story, Jesus says this, Luke records it. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. The verb tense on that is a continuous tense. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Jesus said, I want you to come to me, and I want you to be really, really, really bold. 
It just drives me crazy when people say, I say, have you prayed to God? I said, well, it's just a small thing. What, God has a measurement? I'm sorry, that doesn't reach. If, if, your, if your prayers aren't this high, I can't deal with them. Well, I've just prayed for so much. God has a quota. He says, I want you to come to me, and I want you to be bold, and I want you to use this process. I want you to ask. Ask means this, to call on God to work where Satan is succeeding. This first step is so vitally important. It means where you recognize that God's will is not being accomplished in health or in finances or in relationship or in, in, in the spiritual realm. He said, I want you to come and I want you to cry out to me. I want you to call out to me the best you know how. Yeah, but I don't pray like Pastor Jason prays. God doesn't measure that. Yeah, but I'm not sure what to say. Say what you think you should say. Cry out the best you know how. It is not a matter of the right words. It's a matter of the right heart. In fact, the Scripture says that there are those moments that you won't even know what to say, that you'll just groan, and God interprets it by the Holy Spirit. So I was with a friend this week at the Cleveland Clinic who had extensive surgery on his intestines done. I walked into the recovery room two hours after he was in the recovery room with his wife. We stood by him, and we talked a little bit to him, and he said, oh, man, because we prayed for him. He said, thanks for praying. He said, I can't hardly pray. He said, all I can do is groan. And he would go, oh. And God would say, I hear that. I hear that. I know exactly what you're saying. I can figure that out. So what I'm telling you is this, just pray what you know how to pray, the way that you know how to pray it. I have a friend who was living in Washington, D.C., and he was meeting with a guy who was just learning about Jesus, and so they're sitting together, and they're talking about who Jesus is, and the guy just doesn't know anything about Jesus. He's not religious. He's just, he's just a guy, and so they're talking, and, and so finally my friend says, well, Let's just, let's pray. Let's just, can we pray? And the guy goes, I never prayed. He said, well, let's just pray. And the guy said, okay, we'll pray. But two things. First of all, understand that I don't hold hands. And secondly, I don't close my eyes. My friend said, just go ahead and pray. He said, how do I pray? He said, just talk to God like you're talking to me. So the guy goes, he says this, and forgive me because I'm going to use his exact language. He said, Jesus, I know you've been trying like hell to get to me. He said, so, so keep coming, and we'll see what happens. God loved that prayer. He might have changed the phraseology a bit. So I want to tell you, just use the phrases. So you that have been part of this church family for a while know that Pam and I have a son named Dustin who went through seven years of intense rebellion, including breaking the law and getting arrested and getting kicked out of schools and, and making life hell on earth for us and for himself and for the people who knew him. And so when we began to see this thing developing, there were moments that we would just say, oh, God, we don't know what to pray. God, the moment he accepts you, kill him and take him home, please. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what else to pray. We would just say, God, oh, God, could it, could it get worse? And it did. So don't ask God that question. <laughs> God, oh, God, God, I don't, God, please do, just shake him up, do, help him, just do something. And, and it was just the heart. That is the spot of calling out. 
Well, you see Satan succeeding, just cry out and keep crying out. You ask. You seek. Seek means to pursue the path provided to discover the root. Because there is something down in there that I can't figure out, but oh God, I want to know what it is because I want to bring your lordship there. I want your kingdom to come and your will be done, but I don't even know what that is. So I want to tell you what happens when you keep crying out. When you keep crying out, you start on the path called seek. And seek does a couple of things. First of all, the more you seek God, uh, seek the answer, the closer you get to God, the closer you get to God, the brighter his light and the brighter his light, the clearer things become. And you begin to understand, oh, now I understand why that's happening. You'll just start to know. Oh, now I see that. I see this. I see that. In addition to that, you may be praying as you cry out. And I'm going to tell you, please, don't pray this prayer. And I'll explain it in a minute. Don't pray this prayer. Oh, God, whatever your will is, do that. Amen. You need to know what his will is. And so start with what you think his will is. James said, if, if you keep wishy-washy back and forth saying, yes, it is, no, it's not, you'll never get what you want. He said, but Jesus prayed, your will be done. Jesus understood the will of God in the garden. He said, if there's any other way we can do this, okay, it's not your will, you will be done. And after that, he said, okay, I know there's no other cup, there's no other way, your will be done, your will be done, your will be done. As you are crying out to God, start with what you think is his will, and then he'll begin to guide you. So I think this is his will, and as I move that way, he's not answering that. In fact, he starts putting up barriers, and I'm thinking, God, I'm asking you for this, why aren't you doing it? Because that is not the root. He'll put up barriers and say, you're not getting that, but so start looking this way and veer this direction because I'm taking you over here because the root is right there. So he said, God, what is the root? What is the problem? And as we prayed for Dustin, we began to discover with the help of a, a friend who was a psychologist, a believer, that Dustin had been in clinical depression for seven years and we never knew it. See, we thought that Depression for him would be sadness. For his age, it's not sadness, it's anger. He said, oh, seven years of anger, we know that one. Absolutely. And he tried to get rid of that anger. He tried to, do, he tried to emulate WWF, and he was, running, he was jumping out of second-story windows on mattresses and breaking tables and getting concussions. It was crazy. And so he started saying, God, here's the depression. Oh, God, whatever causing that depression, please deal with this. So we started to find the root. The time will come as you're seeking that you will knock. And knock simply means this, to strike the obstacle. And so the man is standing at the door knocking on the obstacle that's between him and the provision he needs. So you say, oh, God, here's the thing. Here's the problem. We knock and declare your will come, your, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Take care of this thing. And here's one of the things we discovered as the root. That Dustin didn't trust Jesus because he was afraid that Jesus would ask him to do things that he didn't want to do so he would not give control of his life over to Jesus. He was afraid of trusting Jesus. So he said, God... Show him who you are and how much you will pursue him until he gives up. In fact, I even prayed this prayer. Take him to the depths you need to take him without destroying his destiny that you planned for him. 
So one night he was out with some friends. And in their stupidity, because sin will make you stupid, they made some chemical bombs. They blew up a duck. Statute of limitations is done, so don't try to press charges. Okay. And they threw a bomb in somebody's yard. It went off. They called the police, and, and the police came, and then we found out because the people they threw the bomb in their yard goes to our church, and they, they recognized the vehicle, and we tracked it down. They called us and said, we think Dustin's done this thing. And, and so I called Dustin, and I, find I knew what house he was at, and I called over, and I said, hey, um, what have you been doing? Oh, Nothing. I said, well, I happen to know, and I told him exactly what he had done. And I said, and I think, that, I think the cops are going to be after you. I said, I don't know if this bomb thing is a federal offense. I don't know what's going to happen. You've already been arrested once for shoplifting, and they're going to sponge that if you're not caught in anything else. But now it's going to go on your record, and you're going to be arrested, and I don't know what's going to happen to you. And we're grieving. It scared him to death. And his friend scared him so bad. They were at his friend's house. He started throwing up on the carpet. It made him so nervous. I said, thank you, Jesus. Just keep after him. Then something started changing. Dustin started to change. So finally I was able to sit with him and said, what's going on with you? And he said, well, I've discovered this, and God told me this. Because here's the deal. Every time he did something wrong, he got found out. I said, do not choose a, a, a criminal career because you get caught really easy. <laughs> and we always told him, God's going to keep exposing you to all the, all the stuff you're doing. So he said, God has told me that he's going to stay after me and he's not going to let me go. And if I have to go to jail, he'll take me there. He said, so I give up. And he repented. Repentance simply is this. It's a, a, a fundamental turnaround of, of action and, and mind that is evidenced by submission to the lordship of Jesus. And he began this journey. I want to tell you that that would have never happened if we would have just said, it'll just come about. If we don't, God won't, because we are responsible for the authority here on this earth, using it as he wants it used. See, sometimes I think we, we view prayer as an antidote to some kind of periodic invasion. Pam and I have been broken into twice in our home in the years we've been married, and once when we were actually in the house, asleep, and once when we were gone. And both times when we came in, we discovered the break-in. We called 911, and the authorities showed up with the allowed weapons and made sure that we were secure and drove back anybody that was still in the neighborhood thinking about bringing violence or stealing from us. And somewhere we've got this idea that prayer is 911 to stop the invaders, I want to propose to you something pretty radical this morning. I want to propose to you that we are the invaders. See, just, just imagine, you know, just, let's just imagine that, that Don, Pastor Don, 
you you take off, you and Barb take off, and you, and you go you go out to to eat, and 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 you're gone for the day, and you're shopping, and and you've left your house, and it's in nice shape, and everything's good, and let's just pretend that you have a really really incredible house with enormous amount of bedrooms and a swimming pool, and a, and a gourmet kitchen, and just just all the stuff that you'd want in the theater room, and 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 a room for Pam and me, and, so, <laughs> and you've got all that stuff, and while you're gone, all these people in here move in. You don't even know they're gone. You're, you don't even know what's happening. But while you're gone, they move in and they take over. They're eating in your gourmet kitchen and they're burning the pans and they're playing in your billiards room and they're running movies and they're, they're, they're squatting. They're just, they're all over your house and they're, they're swimming in your pool. And when you get home, they won't let you in. So what do you do? Well, you, you go down to the courthouse and you say, what authority do I have? And they said, well, according to the penal code, no, the state of, of uh, Pennsylvania, here's the deal you get, and this is your authority, and well, what can I use as weapons? Here's, here's what you can use as weapons. And so you go back to your house and you say, according to the authority of the state of Pennsylvania, you must go. And they go, because <laughs> look at those people, they'll do that. So you say, well, I've got some weaponry here. And so you start and you make your way into the lobby of the house, but that as far as you can go because you are so totally, horribly outnumbered. But at least you got, by that authority, you got into, you got into that, the lobby. But there you are, you're stuck. You say, okay, next room is the living room. So now you start pushing, but it's a hard battle and you keep using the authority and you keep using the weapons that you can use, but it's a tough battle because you are now the invader. And they're pushing back. In what we deal with in this world, we are now the invaders. And prayer is that which reveals both the authority and the weapons we can use. Prayer equips the invader. In a description of warfare, in a description of trying for us to invade this world, Paul the Apostle describes it this way to the church at Ephesus. He says in Ephesians 6.18, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always. And keep on praying for all the saints. See, there are times when you pray that you find the obstacle in front of you just moves. You go, it's gone. And there are those moments when you pray and that thing takes root and it will not budge. And you use every formula you know. In the name of Jesus, I plead the blood and it still just has not budged. I appreciate the description that Daniel tells us that when he was praying for an answer to prayer, he prayed for 21 days and just kept praying and praying and praying. And finally an angel showed up and said, from the day you asked, I was on my way, but I had to fight through spiritual forces to get to you and it took me 21 days to get there. He said, I want you to pray on all occasions. That word simply means this, that you keep praying on a regular basis because part of your prayer will prepare you for the battle and the other part is engaging you in the battle. But you can't just pray when suddenly you realize, oh, oh, there's a problem. Oh, it's time for lunch. Oh, I'll pray for an hour. You've got to continue to be praying and, and letting the Spirit of God prepare you for the battle for your family, the battle for your work, the battle for whatever it is where the enemy has been successful. He 
said, I want you to pray on every occasion in the Holy Spirit. And that means simply this, that within the sphere of the Holy Spirit, you are praying and the Holy Spirit then guides you to understand the authority and the weapons that you have and shows you what to do with that. Again, I appreciate the words of Jack Hayford who says this, prayer is essentially a partnership of the redeemed child of God working hand in hand with God toward the realization of his redemptive purposes on earth. Do you, do you find it interesting that the early church gathered every day to pray? Every day. Every day. Well, that's because they didn't have the NCAA playoffs. They'd have, they'd, they'd have been watching that. They didn't have cell phones. They, didn't. they prayed every day. They gathered together to bring God's will. See, this was, this was a new breed of maturing followers of Jesus who understood what it was to discern what God is doing and to actually experience it. This whole prayer thing wasn't an addendum to their life. It was their life flow. It was their, their pattern of living. They, they knew that this was the release of the power that was needed to bring God's will back. And so they said, pray on, pray on every occasion with all kinds of prayers. What do you mean all kinds of prayers? There's all kinds of prayers. And the Holy Spirit helps you understand what kind of prayer to pray for that moment. There is that, that prayer of his will to come. You know that one. God, I want your will right here. I'm crying out your will in my son's life. Your will, please, your will. There is the prayer, the spiritual prayer of tongues. Paul says, I pray in tongues more than you all. Because there is this thing where it bypasses my intellect. And I can tell you that there were, there were hours that I just said, oh God, and I began to pray in a language that I had not naturally acquired, declaring God's best for my son. Because sometimes I just got to the place that I didn't know what else to pray. And God said, here, let me help you. And I'll tell you exactly what to pray. Because you have to release the authority and my Holy Spirit will help you release it. So I prayed that. There's this thing called intercession, which really means to set up boundaries. And so I would intercede and say, oh, God, the people that are a bad influence in Dustin's life, I ask you to put a barrier right there. I ask you you to, to keep him hemmed in so he will not miss you. There's this thing called supplication, which is an agreement. It's a contract with God that has something to do with timing where I will pray and continue to pray until your perfect timing comes to pass. And I will not give up. That whole thing about where two or three agree on touching any one thing, it's intended to mean I will pray with you until the answer comes in God's perfect timing. It's not just, hey, we agreed, we're done. I will keep walking with you until it's done. So this whole thing of, of, of this prayer, and, and, and God won't if, if, if we don't, and, and, and all of these prayers and, and all of this, it comes to this moment. It can be intense. It can be tough. And here's where our downfall is today. We think it's just us in our prayer closet, and God never intended it that way. Community prayer is what creates holy havoc. Jesus said, my Holy Spirit's going to help you with all this bringing my kingdom down, so I need you to go to Jerusalem and wait till he shows up. And while they're there, they pray. And when they pray, the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And you want to talk about holy havoc. They come out of there praising God in tongues and in, in, in prophetic words. And, and the people that are from all different languages hear their own language, and they say, what's this? And they tell them about Jesus. And 3,000 people say, I want to put my faith in Jesus. You want holy havoc. There it is. But it came as a result of prayer. Acts 3 tells us that two of them are walking on their way to prayer. 
There's a guy sitting at the gate, beautiful, and he says, I need money. And they say, we don't have money, but what we have, because the Holy Spirit says, you got faith, heal this guy. They, re- they lift him up from where he's been seated because he, he's, he's been crippled all his life, and his bones, it literally says his bones snapped in place. You want holy havoc? He comes jumping through the, the temple, and people go, well, that's the guy that didn't what, what happened. And so they tell him what happened, and 2,000 more people go, ooh, Jesus, we want Jesus. Acts 5 tells us that there were sick people and they got healed. We were told in, in the book of Acts that, that Peter would walk by and a shadow would heal people. There are invalids who suddenly were able to walk. There are people who are not in their right mind, suddenly thought clearly. There are people who are demon-possessed who were set free. You want holy havoc? And it came because in the book of Acts, there was prayer meeting after prayer meeting and after prayer meeting after prayer meeting after prayer meeting, and in between, there were miracles, and the kingdom was established. It has to be done in community. So, so they take the leaders, and they, they pull them aside, and the religious leaders of the community who don't like this Jesus thing pull them together, and here's what they tell them. They, they tell them that, that you cannot talk about Jesus anymore. So they go back to the community prayer meeting and say, they told us we can't pray anymore. I mean, we can't talk, to Je- talk about Jesus anymore. And here's what they said, Acts 4.23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard this, catch this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. When's the last time when you felt threatened by something, you got a group of people together and you raised your voices in prayer to God? Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by your Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his holy anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord... Let's just consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they had prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Another commotion, another holy havoc as a result of a prayer meeting. They raise their voices together. I want to tell you that I think the church in America today is weak. It is not moving. It is fearful. Because we have not learned how to raise our voices together in prayer. That's why Jesus prayed for unity. He said if they're not together, they can't pray. To pray like this, it takes time commitment. To pray like this is hard work. It is strategic. See, if I want to weaken the church, I would keep you from praying together. I would tell you you don't have time. It's not in your schedule. You're too busy. I would tell you that it's boring. I would tell you you've got something better to do. I would tell you that you will do it later. I would suggest that you have other priorities. But I can only tell you this, that my son is a devoted follower of Jesus. Because we call people and said, come join with us. We're going to sit together and pray. And we call people in other cities and say, get people together and pray for seven years. I had a man follow me home one day. 
and I, from this church. He was visiting from West Africa, Burkina Faso, John Pawantari. He followed me home. And I said, can I help you? John Bongiorno was driving him, and he said, I, I want to see your house so I know what to visualize when I pray. Then he went back, and he told 2,000 women who meet every Thursday for prayer in Burkina Faso about Dustin. And for seven years, 2,000 women in Burkina Faso prayed for him. Later, I'd say to Dustin, Dustin, you are such a hard case. It took 2,000 African women seven years to pray for you. <laughs> I don't know anybody else in the world that's had that big a deal. When Dustin finally repented and, and put his faith in Jesus, I called John Pawantari and I told him, and he said, Ooh, I will go tell the ladies. <laughs> and I don't know what they did, but I bet they celebrated. Who's praying with you? Who's, who's gathered with you to deal with those issues? Are you praying about it in your small group? Are you asking, seeking, knocking? Why don't I see more of you gathered in a joint prayer time with me at 9 o'clock on Sunday morning? Because there's nothing more important. Oh, I want to sleep. Well, Jesus said, be alert. But he said to the disciples, you, you have to sleep. Can you just not tarry one hour? Because I can guarantee you, you dads who say, oh, I get, you know, it's tough getting my family up or I, I got to sleep on Sunday morning. I can just tell you right now that if somebody said, you want to go hunting at 6 in the morning, you'd be there. Say, Reisner, stop it. So I'm telling you that if we're serious about this, every opportunity we have to gather community to pray, it is the way that God designed it. As long as we don't, we're not going to get anywhere. Well, God in His grace answers some of our prayers. He really does. But there's so much more He wants to do that comes as community. So I'm asking you, please, please, when you have a need, gather friends together and ask, seek, and knock, and keep going until it's answered. And when the church says, gather, gather. When we fast this week, you fast. Grab some people and say, let's, let's pray about this together. We're going to gather here and, and conclude at, at Good Friday and, and pray that God will answer those prayers. So how do we conclude a gathering like this? We pray. So here's what we're going to do. You that are in, introverts, you're going to hate me, but we're going to do this anyhow. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask you to find four, five, six people around you. And I'm going to ask you just to gather together as best you can in a circle. And I'm going to ask you to just be honest with each other and just say, yeah, I've got cancer. Will you pray for me? Yeah, I'm having trouble at home. Will you pray for me? And I want someone to lead after. And probably the best way to do this is one person says, here's what I got. And somebody else in the group says, let me pray. And everybody else says, we agree, God, we agree. And then if you want to take names down and say, I'll pray for you and give you a call, see how you're doing, I'll leave that up to you. You say, I'm new to this church. I, I don't know anybody. Well, just, just introduce yourself, and if you want to join in, say no, or just say, I pass. But just be there and be in agreement. And let's pray together, and after you're done praying, you're dismissed. So, ushers, lock the doors. <laughs> and so I invite you now, Stand. I'll find a small group around you, pray with each other, and after that you're dismissed. God's grace be on you.